verse, uh, let's see here, Acts chapter 17, I'm sorry, in verse 16, Acts 17 and verse 16, and we'll read down through verse number 23, Acts chapter 16, or 17, verse 16, and if you're able, go ahead and stand with me one more time, and this will be your last time to stand for the next two hours, so we want you to be able to stretch out a little bit. Just kidding. I, I think we would, uh, uh, people just get up and walk out at that point. Uh, but uh, Acts chapter number 17, I'll start in verse 16. Join me on 17, and we'll read down through verse uh, 23 this evening. The Bible says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be forth, a, a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Here we have the Apostle Paul. He has been in Thessalonica, and there was an uproar, and because of that uproar, uh, Silas and Timothy stayed behind, and they uh, had uh, Paul taken by some other men to Berea, uh, and then when he went to Berea, there was still another event uh, that uh, the people from Thessalonica came. And so now uh, Paul is uh, being sent away uh, for, uh, just for safety's sake. And as he goes, he, he is now in a place called Athens, Greece. And as he is there, he finds himself in a place where God is not honored. A place where idolatry is the norm. A place that was known for education. And, and be very, be very uh, aware that education, people can become too educated for their own good. And the amount of believers that walk into to, uh, universities with faith walk out without any faith. There is an agenda besides just education. 
And here we have the Apostle Paul now finding himself up against these individuals, but he didn't view them as enemies. He viewed them as an opportunity. He looked at the opportunity that he had to be able to communicate truth. That is what we have to do. But one reason why we are so afraid to communicate truth is that we cannot articulate it. If we feel like we don't have the ability to convey our position, then we are going to be hesitant to engage with those who do articulate their position. The world articulates what they believe. They don't know why they believe it. But they can articulate it very loud. The Apostle Paul, when I think about him, I think of a man who was an apologist. He didn't apologize. He was one who was able to defend his faith. We have to be able to defend our faith. And tonight I want to just speak to you on that subject, the apologist. The apologist. And we're going to just break down this uh, the rest of this chapter from ch verse 16 uh, to the end of the chapter. And I, I think it will be a help to all of us as we endeavor uh, to share our faith. Uh, Father, I do pray that you'd bless this evening. Uh, may we uh, set aside all of our, our thoughts and the to-do lists that uh, are in the back of our mind. And I pray that uh, we would uh, truly seek to hear from you tonight. May the Spirit of God uh, use his word to do a work in our life and allow us then to take that word and that work and to be able to convey truth to other people. Uh, Lord, there are people that you want us to witness to and to be a light to. Uh, and so I pray that you'd help us, those that are here in person, those that are online, help all of us this evening, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. And as I look at my notes and I look at that clock back there, I know the two are not going to uh, do well together. So I am going to uh, try to speak quickly as we go through the, uh, the, the uh, event here. I want you to see several things tonight as we look at this. Look at verse 16. Uh, the Bible says, and while Paul waited for them at Athens, he's waiting for Timotheus, Timothy, and he's waiting for Silas uh, to come and join him. And it says, while he was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. So first I want you to see the city. Uh, this city, Athens, Greece. And Paul enters this city. And as Paul comes to the city, when we think about Athens, Greece, we think of Colosseums and we think of great architecture and we think about all of the things that we could view uh, on that city that, that is just amazing. Uh, Athens, this city, it was at one day, uh, this was a country, this was a city that was the hub uh, of commerce. It was a hub of education. It was a, a predominant place. And, uh, and Athens in Paul's day uh, was already on its decline. 
Now, why was that city already on the decline? It was on the decline because they had wholly given themselves to idolatry. A country, a civilization, and Brother Cranston could have preached my first point for me tonight, but a city that, a, a country that turns their back on God is a country that is in decline. It's in decline. And this, this city, this country, uh, Greece, uh, Athens, Greece, uh, they were, uh, they were one, at one point a great metropolis, but now it is already beginning uh, to be a city in decline. Uh, we see the great architecture, the, the education that was there, but when you leave God out and you turn to idols, you're on your way down. You turn away from the God of truth. And then what do you want? You want your own truth. There's no such thing as my truth. There's no such thing as your truth. There is truth and there is error. And when we look at this, they had turned away from God. They had turned to idols. And the result of removing God, it changed not just their education, it changed their morality. They became a country that was known for their idolatry. They were known for their immorality. All you have to do is you look at the architecture and it reveals that their, their worship, their idolatry, uh, they made deity out of humans. They deified man. And with that, they deified man, they deified the body. You elevate the body, you elevate and open everything up for the immoral. And that is exactly what happened. And Athens and Greece, they, they became not only an, adult, an idolatrous nation, uh, they were also a, an adulterous uh, uh, and a lascivious uh, nation. Uh, they were given over just as Rome to homosexuality. And what do you see with those civilizations? They crumbled. They crumbled. So we look at those ancient ruins and we see some great things that we could look at and would enjoy seeing with that architecture. But Paul did not go to Athens as a sightseer. He went to Athens as a soul winner. You know, wherever we're at, we don't need to just go as a sightseer. Though there are some wonderful things to see uh, in this world that God has given to us. And we get to enjoy a lot of blessings. But let's not lose sight of the mission. Uh, it is to win people to Christ. So we see the cities. Uh, first, uh, I see, we see the city. Secondly, I want you to see the stirring. The stirring. Uh, verse number 16 again. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. Now notice here, his spirit was stirred in him. It didn't say the Holy Spirit was stirred in him. It said his spirit was stirred in him. He, as a person, had been impacted by God's spirit to where the condition of the world moved him. 
His Spirit, does it even bother us of the condition of the world around us? Paul was stirred. His spirit inside him, it grieved him that the, the, these people uh, were, were lost. They, he saw this city wholly given to idolatry. It wasn't just a few pockets here and there. The city had been given over to idolatry, and that moved him, uh, the, the stirring there in his heart. And we can't forget uh, that, that uh, God gives us our emotions, so many times people say, well, that young person, they just made an emotional decision for God. Don't you think God can use our emotions? He's the one that gave them to us. So often, we want to try to erase a decision that God used something to stir us, a, a service, a message. Uh, God used an experience to, to draw us, uh, to make a decision. And then we want to come back and say, oh, that was just emotions. Well, I'm glad Paul's emotions were stirred but the stirring didn't stop just because it was an emotional decision. It was a decision that God had made, had worked in his life, and now his spirit was, it was yielded to God. His spirit was in tune with what God was in tune with, the condition of people, and now he was moved, uh, and he was his spirit was stirred. Uh, God is, used, is able to use our emotions for his cause. Let's let him do so. Let's, let's allow God uh, to use uh, our emotions. Lamentations 3.51, we have Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. What does the Bible say? It says, My eye, mine eye affecteth my heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart uh, because of the daughters of my city. And he, he was just, he was impacted by what he saw. And you and I, we need to be impacted by what we see. It should stir us, but not just stir our emotions to where we just feel good, but stir our emotions to where we do something. We have to be stirred to action. And that is what Paul was. Uh, he was moved, that stirring. So we see the city. We see the stirring. Uh, thirdly, we see the certain. The certain. Look at verse number 17. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews. and with. So notice here, he was stirred, and now he is in the synagogues, and he is going to be confronting people with truth. His stirring resulted in him doing something. So therefore, because he was stirred, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them uh, that met with him. And so he is, he's communicating them. The Bible says in verse 18, then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? That word babbler is only used one time in the Bible. 
This Greek word is only used one time. And this Greek word literally means to be one that grabs seeds from everybody else and, and uh, their thoughts and then tries to claim them as their own like they are original. Now, there is nothing like that in the Apostle Paul. So this word babbler, they were saying that he didn't have anything of value to say on his own he was just trying to make himself look good. And so this, this term that they used against Paul was a very derogatory term. And if you and I are going to spread truth and we are going to stand for the Lord, they are going to try to make it out as though we are the ignorant one. But if you know truth, truth itself it doesn't need us. We aren't the one that makes truth stand. Truth will stand all by itself. And I wish I always had the right words to say, don't you? I don't know how many times I've been with people and there's, there's been an a, 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 a interaction of words and uh, maybe there was, uh, you, you get into some of these uh, times where a skeptic is throwing stuff out and, and you just don't... I mean, you feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm conveying what I believe. And then you walk away and you say, oh, I should have said this. Has anybody else done that? Uh, and, and here, you know, uh, we find ourselves there. But truth will stand by itself. We just have to, we don't have to try to convince anybody. All we have to do is communicate truth. God will take his word. His word will not return void. It is not our ability to try to convince somebody. There were people that Paul was communicating to that all they were doing was mocking, and we'll get to those here in a second. But we see here uh, that, that Paul, he went to the synagogue with the, the Jews. He went to the marketplace. What was he doing? He went where people were. The truth can't stay inside these walls. Everybody look at me for a second. If we just enjoy truth inside these walls, we fail. The mission is not just for God's people to just enjoy and be in a safe place. We've got to go where the people are at. We've got to go to the marketplace. Amen. We've got to go to the places where people are that don't agree with us. Yesterday when we were at the Capitol... We were walking into offices, and the people did not agree with us. Last, uh, this last October, when we had uh, one of the bills uh, that was, they were promoting the, uh, that bill on, on, on killing children after they were born, that infanticide bill. We were down at the Capitol and we, I walked into one of the offices, and we had a group of people with us, and I walked into that office and uh, was wanting to speak to the senator, and this senator was out of the office, and as soon as I spoke and told the lady that I wanted uh, her to uh, let the uh, senator know that we wanted him to oppose that bill, she said, get out! I mean, she yelled, get out! I said, ma'am, we are here as, as citizens. 
and we have a right to be here, and our senators need to hear what we want. And as I, she said, get out. And she says, I'm calling the police. And she did. And we had two state troopers follow us around everywhere we went the rest of the day. And they were not aggressive towards us. Um, we, we weren't doing anything wrong. But you know what? We've got we've to be willing to stand for truth. And not everybody wants to hear it. Not everybody wants to listen, but we've got to go where the people are at, uh, where they are. And we see the certain, the, the synagogue, we see the place. Now the philosophers, uh, so the, the certain philosophers, the Epicureans, uh, the Epicureans were a group of people where, where pleasure, everything was rationalized based on whether it brought personal pleasure. Doesn't that sound familiar? 80% of Americans believe pleasure is their number one purpose. 40% of millennial Christians, according to a Barna poll, believes pleasure is their number one purpose. That philosophy has gone from the world inside the church. And just because we are in the church does not mean that we have a biblical worldview. Unfortunately, we have so many uh, that still have the worldview. That's why, that's why many don't think that Christian education is important. You know why? Because you still think the education system that is there now is the same one that maybe you grew up with. There's an agenda and they are after our kids. They're after our kids. The Epicureans, the pursuit of pleasure, they sought truth, that philosophy. They sought everything that would bring pleasure to them. Then we see the Stoics here. Uh, these Stoics, uh, these philosophers, uh, th the most important thing in life to them uh, was, uh, was, the, uh, was a philosophy that, uh, that uh, uh, was all based on their inner feelings uh, of, of self-sufficiency. They didn't need anyone. Ultimately, they didn't need God. The Stoics, they were their God. Everything was about what they wanted. So, the most important thing in life for them was to follow one's own reason. You know, the Bible tells us to, uh, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. We're not to lean unto our own understanding. But that's what the Stoics were. So here we see uh, the city, we see the stirring, we see the certain. Uh, then I want you to see in verse 19, we see the superstitious. The superstitious. And they took him and brought him unto Oropagus. Now Oropagus, this is, this is 
Later, there will be, after 5th century, there will be a, 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 a mountain or a hillside that will be named Oropagus. But the Oropagus was the Athenian governing council. So here when uh, they took Paul and they brought him to Oropagus, he was not under arrest. Uh, they, were, they were trying to uh, argue with him. They were trying to uh, to. Uh, to uh, present their their beliefs, and Paul was presenting something that was new to them, and so they went to that governing council. Now, Oropagus, uh, this Athenian, uh, this Athenian uh, governing council, they were the council that dealt with the serious events in life. They dealt with all the events that dealt with murder. They dealt with education. And they dealt with religion. Isn't that amazing? Some of the the biggest areas, the morality, that education, and and then uh, here that uh, what did I just say? The third one was. Religion, there we go. Uh, and those were just, that was what they, they dealt in. Now, Paul was brought before this council. He was, he was brought before the doctorate board. And he was having to give a dissertation. That's where he's finding himself. And so uh, this is definitely uh, a very serious situation. They took him and brought him unto Oropagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. Doesn't that sound intellectual? We want to really know what you think. They don't care what we think. But doesn't it sound so nice? He says in verse 21, For the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that, all, that in all things ye are too superstitious. Paul is tearing down their idols. And he is going to to go through and he is going to address these things. They just want something new. My Bible tells me that there is no new thing under the sun. There's nothing new. And the battles that we are facing, whether it's down in Sacramento or whether it's in D.C., it is no new thing. It's the same old battle, just wrapped up in a different bag, different package. There is a devil, and our, our enemy isn't changing his tactics. He doesn't have to. Why? Because they work. But God's truth works as well. And we've got to stand by that. So Paul, he said, I perceive that thou art too superstitious. Do we perceive, do we really understand the root of the problem? Paul did. 
Paul was saying, I am seeing everything that's going on. I look at your city. I look at the idolatry. I talk to the people. And you're too superstitious. You are not putting your faith in God. So he goes from there, from the city to the stirring, to the certain, to the superstitious. Now we're going to see the solution. The solution. Look at verse 18. Uh, he said, Then certain of the philosophers and the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange God, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Let me tell you, uh, that, is got, that has got to be a focus of what we bring the conversations back to. Jesus and the resurrection. Uh, it has to be, uh, comes back to Jesus because he is the savior of the world. But the resurrection, why did Paul mention the resurrection? Because the resurrection validated who he was. And that resurrection is the, what showed and proved that he is God. Go down to verse 23. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. He said, you, you are talking about God. Let me tell you, you don't even know who he is. There are a lot of religious people who do not know God. And just because somebody says, yeah, I go to church, that doesn't mean that they know God. Just because they use Christian verbiage does not mean that they know God. So Paul is, is pointing that out, verse 24, God that made the world, so him declare I unto you. So he is going to now declare who God is, a God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Where does he go? He goes from Jesus in the resurrection, he goes back to creation, because you have to have a foundation. God that created all things. And then he tells some things about him. Uh, he is creator in verse 24, uh, the Lord of heaven and uh, earth. Verse 25, he is infinite uh, and, and self-sufficient. Uh, he is the giver of life and breath in verse 25. He is the origin of all, verse 26 through 28. Uh, and we see here that Paul is giving the solution uh, to their condition of not knowing who God is. We have to come into these conversations not trying to win an argument. Not trying to flex our mental aptitude and show how much knowledge we have. We just need to get them to see who Jesus is. He is the Christ. He's the one that rose from the dead. 
He's the one that created this world. He is the one who, who, has, who gives breath and life. And as you read through these verses, Paul is articulating all of these things. Uh, he said he doesn't dwell in heaven and earth. He's, he is saying God is an infinite God. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He said there's no building that can contain him. And he's just telling how great our God is. So we see the city. We see the stern. We see the certain, we see the superstitious, we see the solution, we see the skeptics. The skeptics. Verse 32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, they went right back to the beginning. Paul told them a lot more about God. But what, what did they do? They went back and rejected who Jesus is. And if you reject who Jesus is and you reject the resurrection, you cannot be saved. And they rejected the resurrection of the dead. Some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. You know, there are some that will not make a decision right away. Now, a decision to do nothing is a decision. But some said, listen, we're going to talk to you again. You said something that has got, has got me thinking. You said something that is undermining my belief system, and I'm going to have to hear, hear you again. As we go out, we can't expect everybody to get saved. And sometimes people just might, well, you know, let me think about that. When I, was, when I was younger, I was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you going to think about that? Just make a decision. Some people aren't right, ready. But there are those, some will. So there were those that mocked. And then lastly, number seven, we saw the skeptics and now we're going to see the saved. We see the say, verse 33. So Paul departed from among them. How be it? Certain men clave unto him. What are those next two words? And believed. That's who we're looking for right there. That's who we're looking for. We're going we're gonna to look to stand for truth with everybody. We're going to plant seed every, everywhere we go. Some people are going to mock and be the skeptics. Some people are not going to make a decision, but that seed was planted. God's word will not return void. But there are going to be some people that just believe. Forty years ago this week, I got saved. The very first time I heard the gospel, I got saved. Unbelievable. I went to church mad. It's a two-week event. You know the story. I didn't want to go. Knocked down, drag out. Got forced to go. We, walked, we got there and we were a little bit late. Pop said, I'm not walking in late. We'll come back next week. So I spent that next weekend with my brother. Came home Sunday after, Sunday morning. Mom and dad and my sister were, were gone. My brother had already moved out of the house. And so they come back in. Hair's wet. They got saved. They got baptized. 
that Sunday morning. About five, six o'clock rolls around. Pop said, get ready. I said, for what? He said, we're going to church. I said, you already went to church. He says, we're going again. And I said, I'm, you can go if you want to. I'm not going. And we had a knockdown drag out, and I won. I, I went. <laughs> I lost. Uh, I went. Pops was, Pops was Pops. Yeah. And that Sunday night, I have no idea what that pastor preached. I sat right, right about where uh, Connor's sitting tonight, right there on the, on the aisle. I was mad that I was there. But during the invitation, we're all standing, the instruments are playing. Air Force guy walks up, grabs me by the elbow. Said, you know for sure you're going to heaven? I said, no. Would you like to know? And he walked me down the aisle. And right down at the altar, he opened up his Bible. And I got saved. Amen. Next time the Holy Spirit, during an invitation, says, go talk to that person. <clears throat> Do it. I don't know whether or not I would have ever gone back again. But I got saved that night. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know what we're looking for? We're looking for those that God's already working on. And he's going to draw people to him, but we've got to open up our mouth. Paul was willing to convey truth to those who were in opposition to what that truth was. And here, what do we find? We find that individuals end up getting saved. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Among the which was Diocinus, or Cias, the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. And here these people got pointed out. Their names are in Scripture and they're in heaven today. Why? Because Paul went and he conveyed truth. You know what we need to do? We need to be, we need to be an apologist. We need to be able to articulate what we believe. Even to those that are on the other side. It doesn't have to be an argument. But we do need to articulate truth. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Thank you for uh, just those that you have shown us in your word that stood for righteousness, that stood for truth, that were willing to be salt and light in this world, even in uncomfortable circumstances, even in places where it had to have been tense and uh, stressful, yet they still stood for righteousness. And I, I thank you for that. I pray that you'd help each and every one of us uh, to be willing to be a vessel like that. Help us to be able to open up our mouth and uh, just testify of Jesus and the resurrection, testifying of the great God that we serve. And Lord, may we uh, convey and sow seed. May we uh, see other people saved. And may you be glorified. So help us tonight, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed.